0: 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 421 5 4 3 2 1 Darling, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Yes, but it's a positive thing, The High Life. The Shy Life. You won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Hello, Paul. Delicious. This particular episode of The Shy Life is, is a little more abstract than usual. Oh, yippee. Okay, it looks like the hairy guy is ready to record. Three, two, one. Go Shy Yeti. Oh, my, he hasn't found out my secret. I think he has. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shyetti. How are you doing? Oh, I'm alright. Uh, well, what are we going to be uh, talking about this time? Well, um, this is another of my poetry episodes. Oh no, not really. You think John are on the very kind Well, thank you, Ick. Oh, we like your poetry episodes, Paul. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we like the funny ones. Oh, which ones are them then? the ones that make us laugh. Oh, uh, are they intended to make us laugh or do they just make us laugh? Don't listen to him, Paul. I won't. Uh, Yes, so (laughs) it's ten years since my collection Yeti Hugs and Other Horrors was released. Now, 2011 was a very busy year for me as far as poetry was concerned. I managed to release three books um, uh, during that year. Um, which I'd also done in 2009. But uh, obviously some of these poems were written in 2010, but uh, uh, this first collection uh, from 2011 was called Yeti Hugs and Other Horrors, and it came out, I believe, in March. I think it was in March. But I'll tell you more about that after the title sequence. Uh, Yes, March. Although the draft version was ready back in the autumn of 2010, it's probably one of those ones that sort of stuck around a bit um, in the formatting process. But anyway, let's run that theme music and when I come back, I will tell you more. Oh, do you have to? It's time for my old buddy, old pal from across the channel, across the pond. Mm-hmm. Paul Chandler, the shy daddy. He's not that shy. Oh, shy, all I wanted was a pie. And then I hatched out of an egg. Okay, bring the mic over. He's ready to record. It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know. Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? Without <laughs> a pie, Please bad, all that shy is right. Shee. <laughs> me, governor. It's the Shy Life Podcast. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to begin. It's the Shy Life Podcast he's positively glowing hello back again so yes Yeti Hugs and Other Horrors now um, I, just, I like the cover of this one I'm sorry I'm sorry if I, I'm like referring to it as if I didn't do the cover but you know it's 10 years and I'm not an artistic person at all and I Although I have had help from illustrators with sort of logos and uh little characters and some of the artwork that goes in the collection I do tend to rely more on photos or i've tried collages i've i've um I've done all manner of different sorts of covers because basically i'm you know i <laughs> I'm kind of doing the doing the best I can you know to be slightly artistic and i i I may not be the world's best cover designer, but I, I do know that, uh, you know, I, I, I do want there to be lots of photos in all of my books, and the cover of Getty Hugs and Other Horrors is one of the first uh, of my white covers, uh, where basically I designed it on a, an A4 page, and, um, yeah, which is. Why? Why it is white? And quite a lot of my book covers around this time were were white with things um, sort of uh, attached to it, with photos and, and lettering sort of design because it had been designed on an A4 page. Now, on the front cover, there are two sort of smallish pictures of me. One uh, where I've sort of put the camera not exactly on the ground, but I faced the camera upwards with trees above me and I've peered down at the camera, pointing and uh, with a rather sort of manic grin on my face. Uh, And that's one of the pictures. Then at the bottom of the book, there's a picture of me eating what can only be described as a wooden fish or making it look like I'm about to eat a wooden fish. I can't remember where I found that wooden fish. It was on one of the walks I was doing with Callum, presumably in 2010 and uh, I couldn't really eat the fish because it was made of wood but uh, I have a good go and I'm um, yeah, pulling a face uh, the lettering is not sure what sort of lettering that is but it's nice and bold and capital And so it's called Yeti Hugs and Other Horrors a curiously fuzzy collection of poems, prose and short stories because it was around this time that I sort of started writing uh, some, some short stories and I kind of got interested in writing short stories again and as I was putting this collection together I came up with one or two. I've been reading a lot of short stories. I used to write loads of them back when I was at school but uh, I started reading a lot of short stories again and it made me interested to write um, some short stories. And later in the year I wrote lots and lots of little short stories. A lot of them you will have heard uh, from the book that comes after this one i won't tell you about that one this time but uh, so yeah you've got the front cover uh you also got the uh yeti logo the the yeti character the yeti character that my friend vinnie vincent um drew uh, back in about 2007 they're still using it at this point i mean uh, i do still sort of yeah i think i was probably using it uh, you know, even on my most recent book. So yeah, there's one bigger version of the yeti at the top of the page, and then two smaller ones uh, at the bottom of the page. <laughs> on the back cover, there are four more photos, or you know, five more photos of me. Yeti hugs and other horrors. Welcome to another collection of poetry and short stories from Mr. Shai yeti also known as Paul Chandler. There's all kinds of strangeness going on inside. Go on, take a peek. The top picture is me <laughs> looking down a pair of binoculars, but the blockers look kind of weirdly like eyes and i'm putting a face it sort of yeah kind of gives me a strange sort of expression Uh, then there's a picture of me where i had a camera for a while you could do special effects to photos after they've been taken if for instance everybody was smiling and one person wasn't smiling you could focus on that and it would you could add a little smile to that person's face you know you could get away with it but i also of course experimenting discovered that you could put the effect and, th- and then take the photo where you put the effect and then put it through the smile thing again. So eventually you'd end up with a sort of Joker-esque smile. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's a picture of me smiling, but I've got this really scary smile because I mucked around with the, um, the, the special effects of my old camera. There's also a picture of me with a plastic skull a picture of me on a beach in LA. And a picture of me with a plastic wig on for one of my shows. Although, sadly, the ISBN number is uh, uh, <laughs> is sort of blocking that picture. But there we go. doesn't matter. Um, so, the blurb inside, it lists some of the poems. It lists some of the short stories. But I'm going to read you the titles anyway. So, uh, I won't bother reading that. But it does say... Hugs and Other Horrors is the latest collection by Paul Chandler and includes 55 new poems, six vignettes inspired by a trip to Hollywood and nine darkly humoured yet creepy short stories. It was written between December 2009 and October 2010. Because in 2010 I only released one collection and I think a lot of that had been written in 2009 but it came out in 2010. I was writing Yeti Hugs and Other Horrors for most of 2010 one way or another although I'd probably also work on Mouse of Commons books um, but uh, I was thinking actually you you know on the show you have met Gladstone McWhiskers the Mouse of Commons he did pop in once I think but uh, I was wondering um, I don't know I'm toying with the idea of maybe maybe you'll be in the live episodes or something I was toying with reading you one of my Mouse of Commons stories like a, a chapter a month or something as I say as extra material um I don't know. Uh, it would be quite nice to have a an audiobook version, and uh, it would also be quite nice to share with you some of the adventures of the Mouse of Commons, and maybe we'll get Gladstone back on the show. But anyway, that's just a thought for now. So, Itty Hugs and Other Horrors. It's quite a big book, really. Uh, it has 300... And... Oops. 336 pages. Now, that's partly because... About half of the book is sort of behind the scenes on all of the poems, uh, also behind the scenes on the blog, um, any shows I did during 2010. Um. But anyway, yes, this, this book was a slightly different turn from some of my other books in that I I did include the poems, but I also had the stories. Um, in fact, the book's broken down into three sections. The poems come under the... Um, the heading of Love, Fuzz and Yeti Hugs um, which I think possibly was the provisional title of the book at one point um, but then when I added the short stories the book became Yeti Hugs and Other Horrors um, and the, the vignettes come under Shy Yeti Goes to Hollyweird um, 2010 Now when I, when I was out in LA you saw lots of t-shirts and all sorts of things uh, with, with the Hollyweird Sort of caption or, but I'd never really heard Hollywood and Hollyweird um, being sort of more like uh, the alternative uh, nickname for Hollywood. Um, so I think I used it quite a lot myself because I thought, who? <laughs> I think I fit better into Hollyweird than Hollywood. But uh. now the horror stories came under the heading The Yeti Bazaar. At one point I was going to do a compilation of um my sort of sinister poems, my sinister stories, and I was gonna then include these new stories and it was it was gonna be a sort of Yeti horror collection, but I did get as far as doing a mock-up cover and I think on some of my Shayetian location videos it actually appeared, although it wasn't completed at the time. Although a lot of it would have been just um compiling stuff from lots of other collections. Um but there there wouldn't have been a lot of work involved but it's just one of those things where I really just filled my day with far too many writing projects which weren't, um, you know, I couldn't complete them all Uh, and then of course 2011 turned into a busy uh, year of writing uh, anyway but uh, in different ways so let's um, go through the poems in this collection the titles you've got: Andreas the Acrobatic Cat, which kind of keeps with the theme of doing poems about cats. You've got a poem called Anticipation, Bad Stuff I Wish Would Happen to You, The Ballad of the Pie Eater, The Bear and His Keeper, Becoming More Cat-like. Now I know I've read that to you on the show many times. It's, it's one of my favourites, and it's one that I performed a lot. You've got the Big Whatever, Blackmailing Santa. Christmas Time for Skeletons. Those two were um, pieces that I released uh, around Christmas 2010 on my blog. Uh, I used to regularly do uh, some writing, particularly Christmassy stories or poems, uh, which I would put out around Christmas. And then in the later teens, I did uh, sketches and uh, scripts at Christmas and... That only ended last year, where I just ran out of time. And, uh, yeah, I didn't do one in 2020 either. But uh, it was a tradition I kept for many years. And uh, 2021 is 20 years since I started my blog, which I do still regularly update. Uh, Maybe not as much as I did uh, five, ten years ago. But, uh, you know, um, all of the new podcast episodes are announced on the blog so yes it's because i don't write so much but i obviously i do the podcast um the blog's sort of over the years it's it's adapted as a place to discuss my poems to my books to my videos to now my podcasts so what else have we got uh cupcake uh that's that's one of my favorites um that's one that on the page can look quite light and fluffy but uh if I perform it correctly, it can also take on a rather sinister, uh, sort of stalker esque tone. Uh, the cutest guy in the band, The Death of Love, La Mort d'Amour. Ah, now that reminds me that at one point this book was going to be called The Death of Love or La Mort Um, But I think I found that there was a heavy metal band uh, or something, some rock band, who called their album The Death of Love or La Mort d'Amour. Or that it was a, f- a famous book. I forget, I forget now, but uh, let me have a look. Rather than tell you incorrectly, I probably wrote about it at the time. Here we go uh, Death of Love. Yes, it was suggested to me as the title of the book on the 22nd of November 2009, so you can see how long it took me to. I was working on this book for quite a while. It says here that the title was mainly being used by sad goths, according to my friend Dan, um, but. Uh, yeah, I did keep it as a, a subtitle uh, anyway then we have uh, "Derbrain," which was a, an insult that uh, was uh, bandied around a lot at school for somebody who was uh, known for saying stupid things um, The Earworm Eat Me Drink Me uh, A Flea Tea Party that one got performed a lot Geography Be Damned uh, Giving Up on Giving Up Going down the shops with my cyclops. I can't snog you. I'm dating them. I know him. I'm all for animal rights. Geography Be Damned is one of the ones I performed in LA at uh, the Hollywood Poetry Night, well, amongst others. But that was one that was written about having a long-distance relationship. Um, I'm All For Animal Rights was written. That's a, um, uh, like a, a monologue, I suppose. Um, that that was written for one of my poetry nights where the charity I was raising money for was um, an animal shelter Um, then we have if you call I'll let the phone ring it's not easy being scary I wasn't good enough for him just to get myself to you that was another one I performed a lot about being in a long distance relationship the men in white coats are my friends money for the moths are gathering in my wallet mutter my American hunk my enemy, my friend, my selfish cat. My world is flat. No one ever felt cool buying an MP3 file. The only true love I have hated on my TV. The parents turn against the children. The people who you love when you're young. Photos on Facebook. Pies I don't like. Respectable texts. I think that one got quite a lot of uh, um, performance. Set them Free. Streetlight Glamour. A Sweet Tale. That old blood moon, waiting for ghosts. We can't keep doing this. We're an item now. When she was just a little girl, work is rubbish. You, me, and the Hollywood heels. That was another one that I performed a lot. Your high-kicking day's are over, darling. Your own sweet oxymoron. You truly were the handsomest. And then the the vignettes about Hollywood. Hollywood were called addiction, film star, first snog, flavors. Perfume, and The Stars on Hollywood. Um, And the short stories, macabre short stories, uh, were called Access Prohibited, The Autographed Man, Headspace, The Jelly Bear, The Mascot, A Serial Killer in the Library, Standing Room Only, The Tattooed Skeleton, and The Unwanted Neighbour. Yeah, I mean, most of those stories are only about four or five pages, so I'll, I'll probably try and share some of those with you at the end of the episode or if I record too many I can always hold them over for extra material now um, I'll pick through some of my favourites and I'll try not to read ones I always read as much as I do like some of these ones I have performed some of them a great deal now there's a cat um, that appears um, on page 9 of this book just as the book becomes Love, Fuzz and Yeti Hugs. And it's a cat called Jake, who was uh, my colleague at work's cat, Lorraine. If she ever got a good picture of her cat, she'd send it to me. And I included it in my book. But uh, yeah, not Dealey, although Dealey is here. In fact, Dealey appears on page 11. One when he was really quite small, uh, back in 2005. So he was only, well, less than a year old. And then a picture of him as he was in 2009. I mean, he was still very young. Compared to how old he is now, he was only... uh, He was less than five when this book was written. I'll read this one. Andreas the Acrobatic Cat Andreas the Acrobatic Cat, oh, he is quite a sight to see. He is happy doing backflips, or just sitting on your knee. He will bounce on a lily pad using only his back paws. Yes, he much prefers to balance and to tiptoe on all fours. You'll find him on the rooftops watching birds down on the hedge, like some living weather vane hanging right across the edge. He really ought to be more careful in case he has a tragic slip, but Andreas is an expert, and there's no chance he'd ever trip. Andreas, the acrobatic cat, how he loves to flirt with danger. He's pretty nifty in a crisis, he doesn't need a fighter ranger. He's the garden's bit of muscle. Should the sparrows get too cocky? Should a blue tit need some help? Or if a beetle's life gets rocky, he will swing from out the trees or he will skate across the ice. If he hears a cry for help, that cat will always have advice. No, he really shouldn't dangle from the tower of the church. But Andreas knows his stuffed bird watching high upon his perch. Andreas, the acrobatic cat. No, he doesn't have a care. See him teeter on a creeper that is no wider than a hare. Along the rafters see him go, across tree branches see him scamper. He's very worrying to watch, but it is best to never tamper. See him high upon the wall, let him go his merry way. Up there when the wind is blowing, see him quiver, see him sway. He is out there in the dark, he lives a life so very risky. In the ice or in the snow, he gets his courage, sipping whiskey. Andreas the acrobatic cat. He is a whiz at backward rolls. His ambitions, they are great. He's taught his tricks to mice and voles. He is passing on his talents to the birds, the bees, them all. He's fixed a safety net up to keep them safe, yes, should they fall. They've got a taste now for the high life. They are working on an act, a spectacle of daring do, yes, if you wish to be exact. So now he travels on the road, his show's an acrobatic treat. Andreas cannot help but purr for dizzy heights. Make life complete. I'm going to look to the end of the book and see exactly um, what inspired this poem. As I say, I will read some of the poems, but I will also tell you what's at the back of this book as well. One of the things that's at the back of the book is the stories behind the poems um, in this collection. Um, As I say, I'm pretty sure after I decided this book wasn't going to be called The Death of Love, it was going to be called Love, Fuzz and Yeti Hugs and The Yeti Bazaar was going to be a separate book and then when I decided that wasn't going to exist I decided that this book would be the poems and those stories that I'd written for that other compilation so um, a a lot of the, the text I think still well I mean the poetry section of the book is called Love, Fuzz and Yeti Hugs but I think that's probably because the whole book was called that at one point um, it says here that Andreas the Acrobatic Cat was originally just called the Acrobatic Cat, but I decided that along the lines of Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot, uh, the cat should have a name. So The other thing that it says here is that at one point, each poem in this book was going to have a false history written for it, which I also did for the poems in Do You, Get you Wear Pyjamas? I decided not to keep up with that idea, but I did write a false history for this poem, so it's only a paragraph, so I might as well read it. Andreas the acrobatic cat is all about a cat I know called Andreas. Well, to be honest, you don't really have to be some kind of clairvoyant to guess that one now, do you? The real Andreas fails to be quite as acrobatic as the cat in the poem. However, I was keen to flatter the young Moggy, as he also appeared to be my bank manager. I mean, what could I do? Please don't share this with anyone, but you must see what a difficult position I was put in. How do you tell your clod-hopping feline bank manager that no, they are not exceedingly acrobatic? when they are holding over your head the decision as to whether they grant you a mortgage or not. So yes, I lied. I told him that his acrobatic prowess was far above all other cats that I had ever met. I told him this when I visited him in hospital after he had undergone a rather unfortunate fall from the roof of his own cat basket. He hadn't been that high off the ground, but he had still managed to fall and almost crippled himself. Hence the hospital visit. Poor Andreas.' there must have been a loose tile he told me and all i could do was nod and reassure him that he was right andreas is not an acrobatic cat in any way shape or form but if you meet him please don't tell him that i said that my life and my mortgage depends on it (laughs) Uh, i was fun writing those sort of silly things but uh, you know i think this book kept expanding um getting bigger and bigger as I added things to it and that's one of the things that I had to sort of curtail, but, uh, curtail, cattail. Um, according to the back of the book, I wrote it between the 21st and the 27th of December 2009. The next poem, Anticipation, it's a bit of a naughty one. Well, terribly naughty. Um, I might save that one for another day there. Um, yeah, it was written at the end of a relationship when, um, Well, when things appeared to have ended and yet, but then maybe it was harder to end them than I thought. As I say, I'll save it for another time. This one is called Bad Stuff I Wish Would Happen to You. Bad stuff I wish would happen to you. Here are just some of my thoughts. That a witch might well hold you her hostage and then make you lick one of her warts. A squirrel might blackmail your sister. A cheerleader might flirt with your gran. A giraffe with a chip on its shoulder take a wee in your fresh bowl of bran. An ostrich might peck at your noggin, or a crocodile give you a ride. Oh, a sixty-foot, hairy gorilla might well choose you to be his own bride. May the gals of the dear mother's union stick some strychnine within your jam scone, or to show you they're good with their hands build a bonfire to toast you upon. May a ravenous hedgehog just eat you. May you join a fanatical cult. Any manner of bad things could happen, and with glee I await the result. Bad stuff I wish would happen to you, here are just some of my views. The queen might decide to behead you, or pigeon might shit in your shoes. A large hippo might show up at dinner, may well slurp up his soup and then snore. A flotilla of frogs might alarm you, in a way that you just can't ignore. May a cat in a wigwam molest you, and then toss you right into a sack. "'May a torturer move in next door "'and insist that you try out his rack. "'It is hard to decide at short notice "'without finding myself in a rush. "'What embarrassment should next befall you? "'What foul thing that would cause you to blush? "'If I put a large eel in your bathtub, "'but I did so with charm and with tact, "'I could lie back and watch what might happen "'and enjoy the scared way you react. "'Bad stuff I wish would happen to you. "'Here are ideas I suggest.' That an evil magician comes calling and then sends you on some creepy quest. That a spider might crawl in your ear hole and then tickle your brain with a stick. That a badger might hide in your freezer and then deal you a mean kung fu kick. You deserve all these things I am preparing. I am noting them down on a chart. It's revenge for the torment I suffered and for crushing my poor lonely heart. I am training my minions of Yeti To do stuff that may simply appall. Like setting your legs out as goalposts and then using your head as the ball. May the worst kind of nastiness grab you and then chew up your sad, desperate soul as I clap from the cheap seats, ecstatic as it nibbles you and then eats you whole. Well, there we go. (laughs) I think some of these poems... I think, uh, ultimately, this is why... um, reading my poems on the podcast is um, much preferable to performing live because a lot of my poems are quite tongue twister like and, you know <laughs> it's difficult to get your your tongue around some of the, the rhymes and the rhythms it's hard enough when I'm reading them on the podcast you should hear the amount of times I muck up my lines trying to get a whole poem out without mucking it up was always a bit of a problem I, I managed to uh, make it through most of them when I did my shows but sometimes it was a close thing I rarely got a 100% perfect take first take complete take so there we go bad stuff I wish would happen to you uh, as I flicked through the book there was actually one or two little drawings that I did do myself because um In the winter of 2009, I got quite interested in sort of drawing with pastels and um, the sort of pastels that could be blended and uh, I I did a snowman, which is on my wall, that sort of, it's all sorts of blues and um, yeah, it was quite fun. I've never been that good at art, but on the other hand, I do like to doodle and with my poem becoming more cat-like I, I did do some sort of cat drawings. Now I guess the photos of the colour version of this still exist on a file somewhere. I really need to go through my old um, pen drives and move the photos onto a bigger drive. I'm not sure what happened to the original drawings or whether those even survived. The, the snowman is on my wall so that still survives but I don't know what became of the cat or the colour version the original version of the cat that appears with Becoming More Cat-like. Do I give you a rendition of Becoming More Cat-like? I kind of have to, don't I? It is one of my favourites, and it is one that I perform a lot, and I would still perform um, if I was doing a show today. Let's do it, let's do it. Becoming More Cat-like. I'm becoming more cat-like as time shuffles on. I'm beginning to wonder quite where I belong. Is the branch of a tree or a spot by the fire. Seems a sort of snug place for this lad to retire as I stretch out my paws and dream sweet dreams of fish. With my breath tuna fresh, I need food in my dish. Still, I have to consider the fact now just that. I simply don't have nine lives. No, I'm not yet a cat. I'm becoming more cat-like as time passes by. When it comes to catnip, I have never been shy. I'm beginning to get me a definite purr. I've no shame when I lie back to flourish my fur. I've found me a nice post to get me a scratch the hound who's next door i'm hardly a match on my red velvet cushion i'm happily sat every day getting rounder and more like a cat i'm becoming more cat-like as months turn to years i have a twitch in my whiskers a flea in my ears with one eye on my bowl and the swish of my tail my attempt to catch mice it is destined to fail with the fierce local tom i got into a ruck. in the cat flap my head got unfortunately stuck Yes, I find every day life so decidedly flat, as each week I grow steadily more like a cat. I'm becoming more cat-like. I really don't mind. To exist as a person is simply a bind. Yes, the dull daily grind is the ultimate bore, and from now on those ways I will simply ignore. I will sharpen my claws and most plaintively mew. I will bid my farewell to the commuter belt queue. I'll just lie on my back, let you wobble my fat, Oh, how could I regret time now when spent as a cat? What's he doing? Uh, what do you mean, Yeti Uncle John? What is he doing? He's reading his poems. Yeah, has he finished yet? No, I don't think he's finished yet, no. Oh, for goodness sake, I want you to watch the TV and he's sitting in the lounge. Oh, Yeti Uncle John, you're such a grump. Oh, I suppose I could go watch something on my laptop or go down to the laboratory and speak to Cuthbert, but uh, why don't you listen to his poems? Uh, you know that's not going to happen. Oh, Yeti Uncle John. <laughs> you know, you could be his manager, Yeti Uncle John if you didn't have such a dislike of his poetry. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a dislike. And it's certainly not just his poetry. I mean, I pretty much don't like any poetry. Look, Uncle John, you are a silly sausage. Do you actually listen to what he writes? They're hardly complicated. They're funny. But I think they're funny. Oh, no, no. I don't like it when words rhyme. It freaks me out. It freaks you out when words rhyme? Yes. Even in songs? Oh yes, especially in songs. Oh, oh, oh dear, oh dear, Creaks me out. Oh, so weird. Well, be quiet. listening. Oh, oh, you lot, I don't know. Now, around this time, I used to go to a, um, a nice cake shop around the corner from where I work, and I used to take photos of the cakes because they were like a work of art. I think it's around the time that sort of cakes and muffins became very popular again. So yes, Cupcake. Let me see. You're my Cupcake. I adore you. Yes, you are good enough to eat. If I saw you at the bus stop, I'd kidnap you off the street. I would put you in my lunchbox. You'd be a treat I'd simply save. "'If I would keep you to myself, I know you'd hurt me. "'But I'm brave, because you're really bad for me, "'and I'll soon put on half a stone. "'But I wouldn't care about my weight "'if I could have you as my own. "'If I could keep you in my larder, "'if I could nibble you at will. "'No, I would never tire of you, "'and I would never get my fill. "'You're my cupcake, and I love you, "'just so cute upon my plate. "'Well, I want you and must have you. "'No, you must not make me wait.' "'You're my cupcake. I adore you. "'Yes, you're really quite enticing. "'You're quite my favourite candy, "'and I like toying with your icing. "'I'll place a cherry on your top, "'and then I'll kiss your sugar-coating. "'You are my favourite luxury, "'who deserves some extra-special doting. "'I will paint a picture of you. "'I will cost it every crumb. "'Oh, I'll unpeel your pretty cup "'and wrap it round my chewing gum. "'So are you gonna rot my teeth? "'Well, I'm sure you're gonna try.' Would you give me diabetes? Just so sweet, I'll surely die. You're my cupcake, and I love you. I do not wish to seem too needy, but I want to wolf you down in one. Yes, I must have you. I'm so greedy. You're my cupcake. I adore you. I do not mean to sound too hasty, but you have the delicate construction of my favourite Danish pastry. Is your centre full of jam? Do you consider me too scruffy? Oh, your sponge! It takes like heaven. You are as tasty as you're fluffy. You are melting in my mouth. Now you are coursing through my veins. It doesn't benefit the both of us if either one of us abstains. You have made my fingers sticky. My clothes. I'm going to have to brush. You have left yourself across me. I think I've got an ickle crush. You're my cupcake, and I love you. But now I crave another bite you and I should be together but now I doubt we'll last the night (laughs) I've still enjoy reading that poem Uh, yeah I don't think you get many poems about someone's love for a cupcake taken to a sort of I don't think I wrote it uh, realising how creepy it was really but you know I, I like the idea of somebody being as fascinated by a cake because it might be about a person I suppose it's kind of like a stalkerish poem towards a cake <laughs> if that's what well, it is possible because here it is um yeah uh, I think there's a lot going on in that poem <laughs> maybe if, about overeating and fascination towards food and I don't think that I'm a a feeder or a uh, or the other way around the person who gets fed but um I certainly like food so It's not that much of a jump towards thinking about somebody who um, could be obsessed. Right, moving on. I suppose I should read The Death of Love, Um, as it was nearly the title. In fact, here we are on page 30. There is the mock-up. I did get, yes, when I was doing those drawings around the same time as I did The Snowman, I did go through a stage, I drew a load of hearts. Uh, It's quite a basic picture, just a heart different colours but the heart had a, a frowny face a sad face um I, yeah I quite like those if I was ever going to do it again I'd probably do more of them I like the idea of a sad looking heart it wasn't a broken heart it wasn't fractured but it was a heart uh, it was, and obviously the original was all colourful but it was a, a sad faced heart so here we go the death of love la l'amour d'amour Who cares about the death of love? No, really, bring it on. L'amour d'amour means nothing to me, despite all the plaudits that it's won. Love needs putting out to grass, stuck in a box marked, please dispose. Love's a song long since forgotten, now none recall the way it goes. The exchange rate now on love isn't even worth a cent. It used to really be the rage, but now no longer pays the rent. Love is very hard to love, love is rather overrated. Love is up there on the shelf, it once was love, but now is hated. I'm all for the death of love. I wish that love had never started. I would say it's for the best, just to console the broken-hearted. We have given love a chance, but it has only let us down. Love was once a brilliant pink, but now has gone a muddy brown. Love is laughing at us now. It is cruel and it is mocking. Oh, long gone now the time when it could fill a Christmas stocking. Love has met a sorry end. Love is not sophisticated. Love is tragically old-fashioned, yet it's downright antiquated. Long live the death of love, there is no way it can be halted. L'amour d'amour is for the best, I don't believe it can be faulted. So please put love to death, because it seems no one ever cared. There can be no last request, and no love can now be spared. Love must learn this final lesson, it was so flippant that it died. Over time it got so bloated, a love as tall as it was wide. Love has finally lost its pulse, love's allure no more appealing. Yes, I think love ate my brain, and my love letters has been stealing. Oh, please salute the death of love, but you'd better take it steady. There's no doubt it's time to go, there's no doubting that it's ready, but it might not go so quietly. It may lash out as it passes, so do not celebrate too soon, or you may lose your champagne glasses. As you watch the death of love, just be grateful it's not you. Just be thankful your heart's empty, you'll be glad one day we're through. Love has breathed its very last, love was smothered in its bed, it has finally hit the dust. Yes, love is cold. It's gone. Love's dead. Yes, I think that one is probably a bit tongue in cheek. I like the idea of treating love like it is a character or a person or a, a thing. Um, it's all a bit sarcastic. It's all a bit uh, fantastical and yeah, tongue in cheek. The original title of this book was *L'amour de Moore* and other cheerful ditties whose titles sound better in French. I uh, heard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm. Oh dear. Now, sorry, this book is creaking. (laughs) It's a hardback, you see. Um, This one's called Eat Me, Drink Me. Eat me, make your life complete. Oh, let's grow closer, quite a feat. Drink me, I am yours to savour. Swirl me round to find my flavour. Eat me, drink me, so delicious. Gorge me, gorgeous, don't be vicious. Don't be greedy, we're both still young. I'm melting gently on your tongue so eat me let me make you tall i'm yours forever not at all drink me see your fears soon dwindle a fool in love is such a swindle eat me don't get indigestion take it slow is my suggestion drink me eat me look at you so smiley don't forget to chew i love you each and every inch so touchy-feely feel my pinch so drink me see me vanish slightly oh where you're naughty see-through nighty Eat me, feel my passion growing, your true intention soon be showing. Drink me till you feel refreshed, dare to pray you'll get undressed. Eat me, drink me, please don't choke, the way I feel for you's no joke. You're my sweet, my special guest, is that so tough to now digest? Please eat me, oh so very mighty, you're so darn big, come on now, bite me. Drink me, see your worries shrink. Except my slight suggestive wink. Eat me, do you find me tasty? Just take your time, let's not be hasty. Drink me, eat me, if you're able. Bed me on the snooker table. I love you with my very being. Who is that stranger you've been seeing? Just drink me, till life gets so small. I'm here to catch you. Why won't you fall? I think that just came from the phrase Eat me, drink me from Alice in Wonderland and I kind of—it's one of my poems that is kind of well. It's kind of rude without there being anything directly rude or sexy. It's sort of rude and sexy, and oh, it could be—it's—it's it's sort of not only double entendres but suggest suggestiveness, probably. <laughs> yes, I don't quite know. Um, now, I mentioned before that some of these poems were about having a long-distance relationship, and some of them well you may have heard some of these when I released my video about my Hollywood invasion so I won't read them all but I will read this one because it's the shortest of those long distance relationship poems this one's called Geography Be Damned Geography Be Damned no I won't let that stop me well I like a good challenge no he's not going to stop me no he's not going to drop me just because there's a sea or perhaps two between us we're a sweet pair of dreamers but this doesn't demean us Well, they say it can't work, but if only they knew. I'm a born-again optimist when it comes down to you. So, geography be damned, I will keep on persisting. I am drawing you closer, there is no use resisting. Geography be damned, I am not in a hurry. I am building a bridge, so it's really no worry. I'm coming to get you, I'm pulling you nearer. I've got me binoculars just to see you more clearer. What a lovely fizzog I can see you're presenting. Oh, you're half of the world. Let me soon be frequenting. So geography be damned, I won't fall in its trap. Now I'm making the rules and rewriting the map. Geography be damned, I will not be confronted. We will get all we wish and they'll be quite astounded. It can't be done, they will say, but I know they are wrong. Let them see that we work what we knew all along. So it took all this time for us to get acquainted. Now I'm fuzzy for you and this love we've created. So geography be damned, and now I need you to hear me. For no matter the distance, you will always feel near me. Well, this, this one is called I'm All for Animal Rights. And this one, I think I mentioned before, was written for a particular um, show that I did at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden, in which I was raising money for a charity, a shelter. I'm all for animal rights. Listen, I'm all for animal rights, but give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Feed a few half-staffed deer on a hilltop during the winter months. Next thing you know, they'll be demanding affordable housing. Bus passes, bingo halls, their own cable channels, with their own animal celebrities on them. Selling hay and monkey nuts at massively reduced prices. Do we really want that, all for the sake of animal equality? I mean, I like badgers well enough, but I'm not sure I want to be commuting to work with them, all dressed in business suits, bowler-hatted and reading the Financial Times... Their kids competing with our kids over the best places at Eton. I suspect a few of those badger families with new money could easily bag the best spaces. Bright lot, badger cubs in the main. No, I can really see all this spiralling out of control. Animal rights equaling even more queues at the supermarket. Angry mama fox growling at chav mother over the last packet of bowyers pork sausages. A boy band made of bears. A bear boy band, if you will. One panda, a grizzly, a koala, a polar bear, and one scared, closeted gay man dressed as a honeypot. They'd make a fortune singing old Cliff Richard tunes from the 1970s, maybe a few of their own compositions about pudding, that remind one rather of Banana Rama on a bad day. I mean, do we really want that? Simply for the sake of bequeathing a little more fairness on our furry friends. Sloane Square full to bursting with upper-class zebra gossiping about high fashion. Literal clothes horses chomping rudely on their favourite sugar lumps. The King's Road and Oxford Street teeming with llamas in sunshades. Tough-talking bulldogs barking at taxi drivers as snooty-beaked emu trot along in stilettos. Showing off their bling, their new iPhones with their latest bright young thing on their arm. Tigers with road rage on the M25 beeping their horns angrily at Mr and Mrs Smith and their 2.5 kids who are blocking the road because they just had their windscreen wipers and hubcaps stolen by a pack of teenage orangutans on BMXs. It's the beginning of a potential nightmare. The Queen vehicle or Rovers return, run by a husband and wife team of hippopotamus. Dormice pickpocketing oyster cards because they've spent all their dull money on crack. Lions taking all the best seats on the cheap flights out to Alicante, making eyes and licking their lips hungrily every time the air stewardess passes. A slippery eel at number 10. <laughs> Nothing new there then. Listen, I'm all for animal rights. But give them an inch and you'll very soon regret it. I think maybe we'll just have a quick break at this point. Uh, that was a bit of a tongue twister, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I'm just going to have a little break and then we'll come back for some more. Yes, um, just uh, just nail around, just uh, listen to some music maybe. Or, yes, uh, I will be back. Think. Oh, yes, I agree. He did do very well. Yes, that was quite a tongue twister. I know. Goodness knows how he managed to perform it on a stage without mucking it up. Golly. I know, I know. I don't know how he does it. Oh, yeah. He, he, he probably pre-records it when he does it on stage. I'm sure he doesn't, the Uncle John. No, I don't think he did. He probably just rehearsed it. Do you think he'll want us to come and help him uh, with any of the performances? You know how it is. Sometimes he gets us to read some of the poems. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I hope he does. Oh, well, you know, maybe we're not good enough for him these days. Oh, Uncle John, don't be silly. Um, I'm going to skip through the book a little bit. I'm going to read you The People Who You Love When You are Young. The people who you love when you are young seem really special because they are your very first. You hope so very hard that they won't hurt you, yet still it's always you who seems to come off worst. They are your crush, your feelings unrequited. You write them loved-up notes you'll never post. You accept they and never look twice when you're passing. Without a doubt they are the ones you think of most. They are your only love, your sweet, your pin-up. You don't notice that they smell or may have spots. You write about them in your secret diary. Yet everybody knows for them you've got the hots. The people who you love when you're young sometimes surprise you, maybe take you on a date. You're overjoyed, so very pleased you feel rewarded and never think about your sad and sorry fate. You're just so dizzy that you cannot help but daydream. Events fly by and at an oh-so-shocking speed. Now you never think to ever disobey them just like some doe-eyed puppy trailing on a lead. You face their growing faults most every day then, and yet you tell your mates you never really mind. You can't believe they really, truly love you, so you obsess and fear they'll leave you far behind. The people who you love when you're young often seem to be the ones who break your heart, even when they take you home to meet their mothers. You always fret about the time when you're apart. You cling to love and hope they'll never leave you, It's a shame someone does not give you a shake. You cannot help but make sad matters worsen, yet you already know you've made a bad mistake. You have to face they never really loved you, or at least that's what you cannot help but think. Your friends are there to make a weary rescue. They'll always take you out and ply you full of drink. The people who you love when you are young, whom you may meet when they are old and bald and grey, often appear to be quite dull, almost deflated, So then you're not so very fussed they went away. There's people who you loved when you were younger, but once they had is gone, they've simply lost their spark. You can no longer see the things that once you loved so, or their life has drained away into the dark. It is strange to think that once they caused you heartbreak, and when they left it took you many months to mourn. But when you see them after all those years have passed by, well, every single word they say just makes you yawn. This is a rare poem. It's called Pies I Don't Like. Well, believe it or not, there are some pies I don't like. There are some pies I'd ignore that would cause me to strike. Crispy pies full of toads, yes, and pies full of hair. Sucky pies full of tears, which just taste of despair. Sticky pie full of honey, with the bees still intact. Who will buzz all about till the whole lot gets whacked. served with watery sauce, which just will not congeal. These particular pies simply do not appeal. Well, believe it or not, there are some pies I hate. Pies full of toddler poo, now I simply don't rate. Lumpy pies full of mustard and gloopy catarrh. Pies that make you forget who you blooming well are. Pies that have eyes that will peer at you meekly. Pies oh so rank they will repeat on you weekly. Pies far too rich, they make everyone puke. Oh, that anyone buys them, when well, it's clearly a fluke. Well, believe it or not, there are some pies I detest. Pies that break all the rules, who won't give it a rest. Pretty pies with cold hearts, who will possibly chill you, or rage out of control till they painfully kill you. All the pies in the world cannot help you recover. Well, I once knew a man swap a pie for his mother. Pies that are jealous and pies that are sweary are the type I avoid, yes, and pies that are leery. Well, believe it or not, there are some pies I resist, pies that are shy and have never been kissed, deadly pies which have fangs are unpleasant to bite, horrid laxative pies keep you up all the night, pies that contain quite peculiar filling, pies that claim they have rights and demand the top billing. Would you ever have thought it would be so hard to guess that this pie-loving boy would be so hard to impress?' I will read this one, because this is another one I, I uh, did uh, perform quite a lot, but uh, anyway. It's called Respectable Texts. I'm sending respectable texts. On the surface they're terribly prim. You would never detect pent-up passions if you hurriedly gave them a skim. But it's all deep within, neath the covers. All my yearnings are hidden in code. I pretend to be calm when I see you, but in truth I'm about to explode but I smile and I nod so politely when we go for a meal or a drink, but all the time I just want to be lusty and expose you to more than a wink. I am terribly shy on the outside, but inside I'm a bit of a scamp, so when I send you respectable texts, deep inside I'm a well-practised vamp. I am sending respectable texts because I don't want to get my ass sued, because I don't want my loved ones to hate me because they've learnt I'm potentially crude but I bow and I scrape and I curtsy, yet I smile and I always say please, but I slip in a double entendre and I do so with eloquent ease. I have a charmingly coy way about me, such an innocent look in my eye, but the phrases I'm typing are filthy and the words about you, they apply. I'm making my way very slowly because I'm hoping you're going to agree to what my respectable texts are suggesting because there's something I'd love you to see. I am sending respectable texts because I'm feeling it's really my duty. Whilst we discuss how the weather has been, I will throw in a phrase rather fruity. When I ask about the cut of your jib or the cake that you claim to be baking, it's just my way of saying, I love you, you're so sexy, I think I am quaking. When I ask about your mother's chihuahua, I mean things that would make you blush red. When I ask if you're feeling deflated, what I mean is, please take me to bed. There is naughtiness in my intention, It is skulking away amongst the lines Of my oh-so-respectable texts, So it's just you, my sweet love, sees the signs. This one's called That Old Blood Moon. That old blood moon is rising, Climbing high above the hill. It has done this many times, So it already knows the drill. It always seems to come in earnest, like it's trying out a stunt. It comes in search of all that's wicked. It's on some masochistic hunt. Across the fields it's slowly creeping. Above the trees it gently peaks. What does that old blood moon intend? Can we predict for whom it seeks? That old blood moon is listening. It is all-seeing and all-knowing. No one ever understands it, and yet its influence is growing. Is it an omen of ill fortune? Some will claim, no, not at all. Whilst the rest fear for the worst, or they suspect it's going to fall, they may well hide beneath their beds in case the end is on its way. That old moon spreads nasty rumours, and now it's coming out to play. That old blood moon is haunting. It is reflected on the street, in the puddles that are forming beneath the feet of the elite. It is pushing back the shadows that are skulking close at hand. It knows far more than it's telling, but we may never understand. You think you hear it when it whispers, but then you never can be sure. That old blood moon's a phantom, but it is one you must endure. That old blood moon is watching as it shines across the bay, Yes, it knows that you are coming and it senses that you'll stay. Yes, it knows your every question, but it would like to wipe the slate. It simply hides on the horizon, just lying quietly in wait. Why does it need to know your business? Why did the sad old moon start bleeding? Is it because its heart is broken or just because it has been feeding? That's about all we've got time for this episode. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed me uh, sharing with you some of the uh, poems from this collection. Uh, I can't believe it's ten years ago, but uh, uh, we do have we do have plenty more poems coming up over the year. Because as I said at the start, I wrote two other collections or published two other collections in 2011. Uh, not to mention. The fact that 2021 is 20 years since my first proper collections. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul, uh, before you go, uh, can we ask something? Yes, yes, Cromarty. Oh, uh, uh, listeners, they're, they're all here. Eeks here, Martin's here. It's Uncle John's here. I'm surprised you hung around, yet Uncle John. Oh no, it, uh, it's it's uh, it's a very trying thing to be to be here. But uh, well, we, we were just wondering. Uh, you know, you'd not asked us to, uh, uh, you know, to, to read anything this time uh, as much as I uh, dislike your poetry. I do quite enjoy performing it. <laughs> I don't know, don't the Darsby, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, thank you, Uncle John. Um, well, uh, I was going to share a couple of poems right at the end, but uh, um, Paul, uh, you, you have. You have skipped to the end very quickly. I thought there were supposed to be stories as well. Were you not going to read them? Stories and and all the stuff that also fills up the book? Yes, Paul. I thought there was still more to come. Well, to be honest, listeners, I had considered, um, you know, talking for a little bit longer. But uh, as I flick through the book, the stories are really quite long and... um, there's quite a lot of other material that fills up the last third of this book and you know we're already sort of past the the hour mark or or, or almost at the hour mark and and really you know I thought it's probably time to say good night. (laughs) Ah yeah I know what you mean Paul. But um look guys uh if you don't mind hanging about and you want to take part then maybe I will talk a little bit more about this book and what I can do is make it extra material, possibly um, in one of the uh, Chatterbox episodes that's coming up. Oh, yes, a good idea, Paul. Yes, because I I think, you know, we've probably sort of shared enough poetry for for one day. Oh, yeah, (laughs) you're telling me. Thank you, Yitty Uncle John. Um, So, listeners... That's what we'll do. Uh, you've heard plenty of poems, and there are lots of stories. Uh, some of the stories are, you know, about ten pages long, which doesn't sound a lot, but it would be if I was reading it. But, uh, you know, I mean, there are one or two shorter pieces that I might be able to do, and we can talk about some of the other things, some of the behind-the-scenes things on the book, um, uh, in, in that form, I think. Is that all right, guys? Yes, but that's fine Uh, oh yes that's a good idea yes a very good idea oh dear oh yes Paul I I agree as well all right then well listeners it's all agreed we will say goodbye for now Uh, I do have a couple of poems at the very end to share with you and uh, we will talk about this book a little more at a later date and uh, yeah I don't think it'll be until the late summer until we talk about the next collection but anyway, we've got plenty of other episodes in the can. So we will be back soon with one of those. I'm not sure which one yet. And uh, yeah, you take care. And uh, we'll say goodbye for now. All right. Thanks for listening, listeners. I hope you enjoyed my Yeti verse. All right. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye, listeners. Yes, sir. Uh, bye, listeners. Oh, dear. That was a close thing, wasn't it? We might have got on for another hour. Yeti John, don't be so mean. Okay, okay. Bye, listeners. Bye. I suppose i really ought to read this a flea tea party because um you yeah, know this is one of the ones i performed most from this book a flea tea party i'm going to a flea tea party i hope there will be jam that the cream is fresh as daisies and not some artificial sham that i'm poured the finest champagne by an earwig in a suit that a centipede in spats may offer around the sharon fruit hey i'm all for this kind of shindig If the fleas lay on a spread, if they pass the olives round or serve some cheesy garlic bread. So I'm going to a flea tea party. Would it seem quite impolite if I wore a sign around my neck which requested, Please don't bite. I'm going to a flea tea party. I hope there will be pie. There's no shame in loving pastry. We really needn't live a lie. The fleas could make a special effort because their guests have made the trip. But a flea drinks from a thimble. To me that's not even a sip. So I hope they'll paint the town red or at least a violent pink. But I need something slightly stronger than a cup of tea to drink. So I'm going to a flea tea party. But tiny fleas can be a bitch. They really have no kind of manners and very soon you'll start to itch. I am standing at this damned tea party. None of the fleas have bought a cake. I'm really feeling hopping mad I could well squash them by mistake. I do not think they'd really like that, but it's the way it could well be. Should I raise my voice a little? Then those fleas are going to flee. No, I won't be staying long now. Let me bid them all hurrah! Let this be their final fling. Let this be their last hurrah! If they bite folk at a party, fleas must learn they will be a catch. So once I've crushed them into nothing, left in peace to simply scratch. Poor fleas! Goodbye, 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 This show is part of the Pride 48 network. Find more shows over at Pride48.com. Oh such mysteries. <laughs> He's crazy. Ooh, yippee. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We Have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univarsepods.net Now this one's called The Earworm. I've got an earworm and he's singing in my ear. He's a fan of Leonard Cohen and his voice is loud and clear. He won't be quiet. I cannot get that worm to stop. He will not shut his bloody row from all that nagging Europop. He's lodged inside, has no intention to vacate. To croon the cheesiest of tunes the ones most sane folk really hate. That little earworm. He will not let me take my pick. He is malicious in selecting the kind of tat he knows will stick. Yes, he does it because it teases. He sings the same songs every week. He sings them time and time again because he really loves it when I freak. I've got an earworm. Don't know what he thinks he'll gain. As he hammers on my skull, he's karaoke in my brain. He gets the notes wrong. Now, to me, this really matters. He has massacred the classics and turned sharp toppers into tatters. Got his teeth into the top ten and then he ripped its heart away. Busy he chewing on the hits that I once door to play? That pesky earworm. No, he will not let me rest. Keep singing chirpy cheep cheep until my dreams he does infest. Oh, he is causing me to shudder. I feel my mind begin to sag. Till my ears begin to droop. Next time he raps, I think I'll gag. What could I be an earworm to? Give as good as I can get. Just bombard that little earworm with tunes so bad he'll not forget. He'll soon regret the songs he hummed. He'll soon regret his hasty fling. He'll soon regret he ever crossed me when he listens to me sing. I've got an earworm, and it's calling up its friends. They have no idea what's cool. They do not follow current trends. My earworm chorus. Well, it is quite a special treat. Not one of them can hold a tune. They're like a bunch of cats on heat. No, I don't mind a little pop, but what the earworm does is vile. For he will take the Rolling Stones, then sing them in a samba style. That evil earworm. I tried to poke him with a pin, I tried to wash him out with soap, but he only burrowed deeper in. So now he's singing louder, louder, my very favourite summer song. The earworm knows I can't resist, he knows I'll have to sing along. I had an earworm. He sat there sulking in my ear. It was my tuneless caterwaul that made the flagger disappear just sitting there oh I think the boiler just came on he's waiting for that to stop oh dear (laughs) oh dear oh dear